What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast. Today, we're recording from Pier 9 in sunny San Francisco. Hey, I have a question. What if fashion wasn't something you sold, but an idea you shared? My guest today is the creative mind behind a dress that's become a meme. Natalie Walsh's fiber optic dress has been viewed more than 200,000 times online and has garnered media attention from the likes of Wired Magazine and Jezebel. You can see the dress for yourself on our website at electricrunway.com. It's so stunning you may want to buy one, but this dress is not for sale. Instead, the instructions are available online for free. Users order the parts and follow detailed instructions to make their own at home. So far, the dress has been adapted for everything from raves to figure skating and has inspired countless adaptations and iterations, which begs the question, is open source the future of fashion? Natalie Walsh is the original maker of the fiber optic dress. She has served as art and beauty director for a number of high-end fashion brands like Calvin Klein. Currently, she's a designer at Instructables. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Natalie, when I first reached out to you, you almost insisted that you weren't a fashion tech designer, but yet you've made one of my personal favorite pieces of fashion tech. So why is it that you don't consider yourself a fashion tech designer? I guess because I don't do it professionally, and I think of that as a term that applies to your job. And I think of myself as more of a crafter or a maker, and I like to just make things one-offs versus making a line of clothing. So when I think of a fashion designer, I think of someone who has a collection, someone who actually is doing that for retail and for uh, they're making a consumer good, which I am not. And so what does fashion tech mean to you? I feel like there's so many different definitions depending on who you ask. It can be something as simple as making a garment light up. It can be something incredibly interactive. It can be a Fitbit and everything in between. And as far as the area that I like to play in, I'm very heavy on the fashion and very light on the tech, so I'm looking at it more from a costume perspective. Mm -hmm. I like to make costumes, and I like to make costumes for music festivals and things that often happen at night, so lights are just another way to add a layer of aesthetics. Speaking of making, we're in a makerspace right now, Autodesk. Maybe you want to explain a little bit about the space? I wouldn't call it a makerspace. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a creative workshop for Autodesk employees, mm-hmm. and it is a place for the Instructables and Artists in Residence communities to come and use tools for fabrication and for research and to have access to and just an amazing array of resources. So a lot of the artists that we were talking about here I saw at Silicon Valley Fashion Week, they also overlapped with some of the artists that I saw at Maker Fair New York. What is the relationship between the maker community and this burgeoning idea that we're calling fashion tech right now, in your opinion? I think that the DIY or maker community is a great place for fashion tech because a lot of fashion tech items are labor-intensive, expensive, and really difficult to manufacture. DIY is ahead of industry in many ways because those barriers aren't there. You don't have to worry about how to manufacture it. And so you can have something that has a ton of wires on the inside, but is amazing and is exploring a really cool idea. And I think we are kind of in this middle ground where we haven't quite been able to manufacture some of these things. 
But the ideas are coming out of spaces like this. The idea, because the barrier's lower when you only have to make one. You're just doing it for the sake of exploration. And you don't have to worry about those cutoff points of like, well, how am I going to make this? And failure is almost a part of the culture of experimental spaces, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. you don't have someone breathing down your neck for a deadline, even. It's just to, to experiment and see what can happen. Mm-hmm. And and it's okay in a DIY community if you're making a garment that breaks sometimes, and then you have to fix it. You know, that's the the nature with fashion tech is that a lot of electronics they need to be bomb proof they need to be waterproof there's a lot of uh just product development that has to go into that and when you're just doing something for yourself as a maker you don't have to worry about that you can just have fun and explore and push the boundaries of creativity without it being practical in a manufacturing context and there seems to me to be a resurgence happening of diy right now sewing and knitting are very popular again we're seeing this attraction and draw towards homemade and handmade. Why do you think that is? I don't know that it's really a resurgence as much as now with the internet, you can learn how to make anything. Whereas, you know, traditionally you would maybe need to be an apprentice. And so the information is out there and people feel maybe more empowered and therefore are more open to learning new skills. That's kind of my my guess, just especially working for Instructables, which is a project sharing website, which is providing this information. You know, people have made my dress who have never sewn before mm-hmm. because they just had the access to all of the steps. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Speaking of your dress, I was first exposed to it in May when I was covering Silicon Valley Fashion Week for the CBC, and I was immediately drawn to it. I'm a huge fan. It was it was just beautiful and. I love that you're using fiber optics. I think most light-up garments we've seen use L-wire. But what struck me as so interesting is when I went to go inquire about who the artist was, I got two answers. Everyone said, well, it's Natalie Walsh and Jen Mann. And I didn't really understand. Like, did they make it together? How did that happen, that there was two, two artists behind it? And so it was prototyped by you and then uploaded to Instructables, where you work, and then created by Jen, correct? Mm-hmm. So for folks who don't know, Instructables is, as you said, a prototyping site? It's a project sharing site. Mm -hmm. It's a site where people can explain step by step how to make something. So people document what they make and they could share anything from recipes to robots, just really everything across the board. I made the dress and documented it really thoroughly and put up the instructions mm-hmm. and Jen Mann made the dress along with a lot of other people and what she did is she iterated on it differently by doing the electronics herself. Uh, I don't know a lot about le- electronics so I bought a product that already existed from Anson Mellon mm-hmm. which is a fiber optic whip. It's great. It was really easy for me and she did it herself with NeoPixels and so she was able to kind of get some different patterns than the ones that I had on my dress. Well, it makes me wonder, why did you decide to take this approach? You could have offered this dress as a ready-to-wear item, but instead you chose to share it in a very open-source type of way. I shared the idea uh, because I wasn't looking to make a profit off of it. To make it as a retail good would be prohibitively time-consuming and expensive. Uh, it took me maybe 80 hours to make the dress, and so... And how much How much were the parts, let's say? $200. Okay. So, you know, you, you add that up when you live in an expensive city, and that's the, the trouble with selling things as commissions. Uh, it, it can often feel like a lose-lose situation. It costs a lot of money to buy something from an artist, and it takes a long time to make. So it's, it would be also a very difficult thing to manufacture because there's a lot of handwork. 
And to ship. I think I imagine it would be very difficult to ship. There's just a lot of... Also, I don't really have any interest in running a fashion company. Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with the manufacturing. What brings me joy is making things, is coming up with an idea and making it and moving on Mm -hmm. and coming up with another idea and figuring out how to make that and growing my skills and learning how to make things better like that's what I'm in it for you like new things I like new things well and I like learning you Mm -hmm. know as a maker what I'm interested in is the experience and to make a profit off of it would be challenging I also think with this particular product and with fashion tech in general there's a lot of obstacles to overcome absolutely to go back to the idea of how the dress is I don't want to use the word disseminated because it doesn't feel like the right word but the way that it's shared it reminds me of two things it reminds me of patterns like actual fashion patterns that people would share or buy I should say you know I remember growing up in my grandparents tailor shop there was all these patterns in this big cardboard box and it was like oh which dress do you want to make today but it also reminds me of the way people share code if you're building a wordpress site or if you're you know building anything on the internet do you think that the sharing model is old or new I think in fashion it's kind of the way that it is in a way you can't copyright fashion so for me I feel like trying to hold on to an idea is pointless anyways because I could put the idea out there as a retail product that I am selling and someone could still copy it and go ahead and manufacture that there's really no no copyright around this except for around the technology which in my case I didn't develop so it is kind of neither here nor there in Mm -hmm. a way you know it's for me more valuable to put the idea out there and then just see what happens and so many people have made it and are super excited about it and every time I run into one in the wild like that brings me way more joy than trying to start a company with it or kind of going with the more traditional model also by putting the idea out there in in this way people iterate on it and build on it and make it better Hmm. And it leads to more ideas in the end. And I'm lucky that, you know, I have a job that I love and I don't need to make a living off of this idea. It's just something I do for fun and for the pleasure of spreading the ideas around. Yeah, and as I mentioned, it's sort of something that I saw initially and it became this meme that I keep I, I keep seeing it. So I saw two at Burning Man and I saw one in San Francisco since. How have you been able to track and watch this design grow and spread? I have a few ways that I can track it. On the Instructable itself, people, when they post a comment, can add photos. And so a lot of people add an I made it comment, is what we call it, Mm -hmm. and post photos of them in their dress. And so I think there's maybe, maybe 10? I'm not sure, actually. I haven't checked in a while. But quite a few people have posted on the Instructable itself. So that is one way that I have that information. And also... Ants on a Melon, which makes the fiber optics, uh, Joel that runs that company, and I, you know, we're, we've become friends. And so I have data for how many people from Instructables that go to Ants on a Melon and then buy the product. Okay. But going by that, I know that maybe 40, 50, somewhere in that realm, have purchased the fiber optics coming from the Instructable with the intent, at least, of making the dress. Mm-hmm. So using that, there could be 50, right. you know. 
you know, follow through isn't a hundred percent, but there's mm. there's a quite a few out there, and a lot of people are doing it themselves as far as the fiber optics. You know, people are taking the idea and then powering themselves with NeoPixels or with yes. with whatever. Yeah, as so, I mentioned, we did that at Burning Man. We kind of created these our, our, our vests that were trying to be as cool as the dress, but not. <laughs> I'm sure they were awesome. not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows how many are out there, but. But enough. It's really cool. Yeah, and I mean, two hundred and eighty thousand people have viewed it. Yeah, on the site because of the media attention it's received, and because mm-hmm. if you Google anything, you know, fiber optic attire, it's one of the first things to come up. It just keeps going. It's crazy. When it first went viral, it was all within Tumblr, mm-hmm. and then from there, it kind of spread. So it's just it's interesting to see. You never know what's going to go viral. I've had a couple projects go viral, but you know, you just you don't know. It's really. And interesting. it's interesting that you use the word viral because I used the word meme in the beginning of the mm-hmm. interview to talk about it. And a meme is a term that we use, and viral as well as a term that we use for the internet. But style actually works in a very similar way where you see one and then you see it becomes this idea almost. And a meme is a unit for carrying cultural ideas. So it's mm-hmm. almost like your dress sort of embodies to me the definition of where fashion tech is going, the metaphor almost. It seems to me that when we talk about light-up garments, there's this criticism that always comes up. And what is the use of that? And as I mentioned, you know, at Burning Man, it was useful because it's dark and you need to be seen and you want to look cool. But beyond Burning Man, how do we justify a light-up garment? How do you respond to that criticism? Oh, it's totally valid. But I like making costumes. I'm not trying to change the world. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to innovate an amazing piece of fashion tech that's going to regulate my body temperature, you know, be smart in some way. I think those are amazing, but I'm not going to be the one doing that. As far as practical uh, uses for light up clothing, safety is really the only one. I do think that there's some validity to being lit up. As a city bicyclist, you know, being lit up is really important. Mm-hmm. People walking their dog at night, people going for a jog. So I have seen that that's kind of where there is this crossover mm-hmm. uh, between light up clothing and a real a practical piece of fashion tech. Yeah, like street style. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Do you do you see a future for light up apparel beyond the safety like walking your dog sort of thing or do you think it's something that will stay in the realm of festivals and EDM concerts? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I certainly hoped, hope so. I think, you know, there's a number of companies that are trying to make wearable light happen. Um, you know, Sovo Gear is one of them. And then mm-hmm. there's also Electro Couture, who's making a higher-end L-Wire product. You know, you always do come up against that criticism of, like, well, what's the point? And no one asked Karl Lagerfeld what's the point of, like, a pink Chanel jacket. But it seems that when you're, when you're doing something new, putting technology on a dress or incorporating technology into your dress, there's always this, well, you know, what's the point of it that you run, run up against? Well, you make a good point then. What's the point of fashion? I mean, in a way, light up fashion can just be, it's another tool to have in your toolbox of ways to make an amazing, you know, impactful, visually stunning garment Mm -hmm. that isn't trying to solve any problems. It's just trying to be a piece of fashion, a piece of art. Mm -hmm. Art for art's sake. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. People like pretty things. Of course. (laughs) I totally agree with you. So a little bit more about you, Natalie. You grew up in San Francisco, and then as I understand it, you were in New York for a little while mm-hmm. for design? Um, so I was an art director in New York, so mm-hmm. I moved there after college. I was there for four years. And I grew up in San Francisco, as you said, and I returned to San Francisco after about 10 years back east for both school and working. 
Now, were you the kid who was just, like, making a mess all the time with the crafts and the sewing? And the <laughs> I was pretty tidy about it, but yes, yeah. I was a serious, crafty kid. You're someone who comes from a sewing background, and you know lots about fashion, and you obviously know lots about technology. In your opinion, what do you think fashion can learn from technology, and vice versa? What do you think technology can learn from fashion? I think tech has a lot to learn from fashion in terms of making something that is manufacturable in this space. The running joke is like, oh, where do I hide the battery? You know, it, the things, the technology isn't designed for wearables. People in the DIY community are trying to, to hack it to work. You know, a lot of these things, they can't get wet. They're rigid. They aren't comfortable and they're bulky. Mm -hmm. And so I think for the wearables to really become a mass produced product, those things need to change and technology needs to adapt to really fit a wearable context. And then vice versa, you know, fashion designers need to look at what technology is available to them. What can we pick up? What, what are the inputs that are available? Can we pick up heart rate? Can we pick up body temperature? And then what can I design to actually take advantage of those technologies? versus just trying to do something cool or, you know, trying to push two things together that don't necessarily work seamlessly together. How can people connect with you if they want to learn more about your work? Email me. Email you. Okay. Do you want to, you want to put your email out there or? Sure. Want... Uh, Natalie at NatalieWalsh.com. You can go to my website and mm -hmm. email me from there. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Walsh of Instructables. To see her fiber optic dress, visit electricrunway.com slash natalie-walsh. If you love the dress as much as we do, we've linked the instructions so you can make one for yourself at home. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future.